All right. Um, keep those with you, as we always say. If we only pray on Sunday nights for a few minutes or on Wednesday nights for a few minutes, it's not much of a praying church. What makes us a, a praying church is if we're uh, regularly praying for those requests. So keep those with you. Uh, so we're going to start talking tonight about, about this idea of eternal security or perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved, sometimes it's called. Um, I don't see Jake. I'm not sure where he went, but oh, there he is. Do you have those things you're going to pass out? Jake's got some handouts for you for you all. Uh, you may be interested in them. You may not be interested in them, but, but feel free to take one or, or not. Uh, one of the handouts is uh, just kind of a study guide to go along with what we're talking about with the the topics and things that we're going to be talking, the outline that we're going to be talking through with blanks for you to take notes if you want to. Uh, and then the other sheet is uh, a front and about half of a back that are just some scripture references. And I printed out a bunch of scripture references just to save time so we're not flipping around a lot. Um, we may still turn to some of the passages, but, uh, but this is a way to, to save a little bit of time. Okay. Uh, so when we think about this idea of eternal security or Perseverance of the saints, um, once saved, always saved. We're really talking about, about two options, right? I mean, this is a, a, a very simple idea, very simple doctrine in, in, in this one sense. There's really, there's really just two options. Either, uh, either someone can lose their salvation or someone cannot lose their salvation, right? And that's what we're talking about. Or is it not secure? Uh, can someone walk away from the faith? Can someone stop believing uh, in, in the gospel? And so tonight we're going uh, to look at just a little bit of an introduction to that. And then we're going to think, think through the position that says, yes, you can lose your salvation. Okay? And we'll spend tonight talking about that. And then the third week we'll look more at the position that says, no, you cannot lose your salvation. And then the third week uh, we'll spend some time... Uh, talking about some specific Bible passages that are, that are, uh, that are really important and, and kind of difficult to understand. And then we'll also talk that third week about um, you know, just our own experiences and people that we, that we know and we care about and even our own worries in our, in our own life, okay? As we begin to, to think about this though, as, as they're finishing to passing out those, um, those sheets, I wanna read uh, one passage that's not on your scripture sheet. Um, I said, just kidding. Not going to do that. Let's start with our. Let's start with our, with our outline that I gave you. Okay. So when we're thinking about this doctrine of can you lose your salvation or not, this doctrine of perseverance of the saints. Here, here's what our church's statement of faith says, okay? This is where we'll begin. So it's on that scripture sheet there. This is a quotation from the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. This is our church's statement of faith. Uh, and this is uh, from Article 5 from that, from that document, okay? Okay. Okay, so if you don't have one, then you can listen. Uh, so, so Article 5, get back to the microphone. Article 5 is called God's Purpose of Grace. Okay, and here, here's what it says. It says, election is the gracious purpose of God according to which he regenerates, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies sinners. It is consistent with the free agency of man and comprehends all the means in connection with the end. It's the glorious display of God's sovereign goodness 
and it is infinitely wise, holy, and unchangeable. It excludes boasting and promotes humility. And then it says, all true believers endure to the end. Those whom God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by his spirit will never fall away from the state of grace, but shall persevere to the end. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the Holy Spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach upon the name of, uh, or upon the cause of Christ and temporal judgments on themselves, yet they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Okay? So this is, this is our church's doctrinal position, that if someone is saved in Christ, if someone has, has trusted the gospel, believed the gospel, and has, um, and has repented of their sins and, and become a follower of Jesus, become one of, one of God's children, adopted into his family, then that person cannot stop being in that position. Okay? So you cannot lose your salvation once, once the Lord has saved you. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week. But I want to talk this week about some other traditions, some other Christians who, who don't agree with that. Okay? And so there are a lot of examples of the Roman Catholic traditions who say that, that no, we can lose our salvation. So, for example, the Roman Catholic Church says that. The Roman Catholic Church says that it's possible to commit mortal sins. Right? The Catholic Church divides sins up into two groups. Venial sins and mortal sins. And venial sins are sins that can be forgiven. Sins that... Um, that after you're saved, they can be forgiven. You, that, that's when you have to do penance and, and these different things. Go to confess your sins before the priest, and he'll tell you what to do uh, to, to get forgiven for those sins. Uh, and then whatever sins are, are, not, uh, are not made up for through that process, then in purgatory after you die, uh, before you get to go to heaven. And so this, these venial sins can be forgiven, but there, are so, there also are mortal sins that there is no forgiveness for. If a believer was to commit a mortal sin, then there is no forgiveness for that sin. So the Catholic Church believes that, that and teaches that someone who's a genuine believer can, can lose their salvation. Um, the Lutheran Church also believes this, that you can lose your salvation, uh, that people can walk away from, from the faith. Uh, and then there are a lot of Protestant denominations that fall under the more uh, kind of Arminian understanding of salvation who would also agree with that. So, we, so there are several denominations, several types of churches that are from the Wesleyan, uh, the Wesleyan tradition. So John and Charles Wesley, a lot of the hymns in our hymn book are written by Charles Wesley, and we like him and like those hymns, and they're really, really good. Uh, his brother was John Wesley. Uh, they lived in the 1700s, 1800s. I'm not sure exactly their dates, but around that time. Uh, they moved to the, to the U.S. from England. Uh, they were really active in Georgia. And some other parts of the United States, they, they started some orphanages and things like that in Georgia. Um, and, and Charles Wesley wrote a bunch of hymns. John Wesley was more of a preacher and teacher and, and wrote some books and things like that. And, and he taught that you can lose your salvation, uh, that, that you can walk away from the faith, you can turn away from, from grace and, and lose your salvation. And there are several uh, denominations that, that kind of follow his tradition. And so one of those is the Methodist Church. Uh, the Methodist Church bases a lot of what they, uh, what they believe on, on the writings of John Wesley. They, they follow him. They think that he's right in his understanding of the Bible. Also, the Nazarene Church, uh, maybe even more so than the, than the Methodist Church, the Nazarene Church, maybe even just a little bit more kind of purely Wesleyan following what, what John Wesley teaches. Uh, and then uh, there's also some, some Wesleyan influence in the uh, Pentecostal churches. 
Uh, and the more charismatic churches also believe that you can lose your salvation. So uh, the Assemblies of God Church, at least many of them, um, the United Pentecostal Church, the Oneness Pentecostals that believe that, that don't believe in a Trinity, they believe that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are uh, one person, one God who uh, who reveals Himself as the Father sometimes, and as the Son sometimes, and as the Holy Spirit sometimes. He puts on these different different masks or different personas, but but he doesn't exist eternally as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, the Oneness Pentecostals, they, they believe that you can lose your salvation. Is the, uh, and then lots of, lots of just Pentecostal churches do. Uh, and then another group is the, the Restoration Movement. So churches in the Restoration Movement, like the Church of Christ, Churches of Christ, um, Christian churches, um, and uh, in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ uh, believe that you can lose your salvation. Now, one, one kind of caveat about all of that is um, that's kind of where those, those uh, traditions are officially, right? But just because that's kind of the official Methodist position doesn't mean that you won't find some Methodist believers or even maybe some Methodist pastors, even possibly some Methodist churches who maybe believe that you can't lose your salvation, right? And the same thing's true for, the, uh, for, for disciples of Christ or Christian churches or, or whatever it might be. Uh, there, there are some exceptions, but the kind of official positions of, of those groups and, and others are that you can lose your salvation. I was talking to someone just a few minutes ago before we started about uh, other Baptist churches who think that you can lose your salvation. They're free will Baptists, they're general Baptists, um, uh, other, other Baptist groups, um, and Anabaptist groups like Mennonites and things like that that believe that, that you can also lose your salvation. So. Uh, as we, as we go on, I want to do two things. First, I want to just take a few minutes to talk about what, what even are we talking about? What, what does eternal security not mean and what does it mean? Okay? And then uh, five arguments or five reasons that these groups think that you can lose your salvation. Okay? So first of all, what is eternal security? What is it that we're talking about when we talk about eternal security? Um, here, here's what we mean or here's what I mean. One, God is the author of salvation. God is the one who saves us, okay? We don't save ourselves. God is the one who, who saves us. And if God saves his people, if God is the one who saves his people, he's not going to stop saving his people, right? We're familiar with Philippians 1.6. We've been doing the, the Philippians 1.6 testing you he, uh, over the years. And Philippians 1.6, remember, says that if, if God begins a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. And so if God is the author of salvation, then God's going to finish what he, what he started. Okay? Uh, a second thing that, that I want to say about that, what eternal security is, is based on the nature of salvation. Uh, so, so based on the author of salvation, but also based on the, on the nature of salvation. Salvation is permanent by, by nature because of, because of what it is. Um, salvation is not just a change in status or, or, or changing uh, becoming a member of a different group, okay? Salvation is, is um, it's a change in our natures. It's a change in who we are. It's becoming a different type of person. And if, if, we've, if we who were dead in sins have been made alive in Christ, we can't go back to being dead in sins. We've already been made alive in Christ, and we can't go back to being dead in sins, right? It's not just that we've moved from unsaved to saved, but there's something's happened on the inside of us. We've been transformed. We're a new kind of people now. We once were dead, now we're, now we're alive, okay? 
Um, think about, I don't know if you remember from, from maybe high school science class, the differences between like a mixture or even a suspension versus a chemical reaction, right? A, a mixture is when you take, uh, you know, you take two things and, and, and just mix them together and shake it all up and get it all mixed up real good. Uh, but there, and, and a suspension is basically the same thing, but in a liquid, in water or something like that. Um, and so you get it all mixed up where it's, it's all kind of together, right? But there are ways of separating it back out to its two different parts. So think about if we're going to create a mixture of sand and iron shavings, for example, right? So you're going to get a, 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 these iron shavings like, like powder because they're, they're, they're so, so small, so ground up so small, and you're going to mix that with some sand, put it in, in, a, in a jar, shake it all up, and, and it gets so connected that it's hard to separate them, right? But if you have a strong magnet, then you can separate them back out. Separate them back out. The iron filings will stick to the magnet and the sand, uh, the sand won't, and you can, you can separate them back out that way, right? That's not how salvation is. A chemical reaction is something where these two things react with one another and there's no going back. You can't go back to the two original, right? So fire is, is, is an example of that, where, uh, where oxygen and I don't know what else, something reacts with one another, right? Uh, and, and they create something completely different, right? If you have, a, if you have a wood pile and you set it on fire, that's a chemical reaction. No matter what you do, you can't go back to that being a pile of logs. It's gonna change into something else. It's gonna change into ashes because of how that chemical reaction works, right? And, and, and that, that's how we should think about salvation. That it, it's, it's, not, it's not just changing from one state to another state and, and it can go back, but it's a, it's a complete transformation of who we are. We've gone from being dead to being alive. We've gone from being enemies of God to being friends of God. We've gone from, um, we've gone from, from being, uh, I don't know what else, hostile to God to, to not being hostile anymore, right? That, that, that transformation's happened from, from death to life, okay? Um, so so that's, what, that's what eternal security is. If someone has been truly converted, then he will not turn back. And, and in fact, we can even say it's not too strong to say, we'll look at this next week, it's not too strong to say that if someone has been truly converted, he cannot turn back. Or she cannot turn back. Okay? So what is eternal security not? What are we not talking about? Well, one thing we're not saying is, we're not saying that sin doesn't matter. Sometimes, sometimes Baptists get a bad reputation for believing in this doctrine. Sometimes it's it's, it's called once saved, always saved, but in a kind of a pejorative way, in a negative way. Uh, and, and the implication is that we don't really care about sin. Sin doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how you live. All that matters is that you go through that door of salvation and then whatever on the, on the other side happens on the other side and, and it doesn't matter. But that's not what we're saying. We're not saying that sin doesn't matter and we're not saying that salvation comes through some formality either praying a prayer or getting baptized or, or something like that, right? There are, there are a lot of people to, to our shame and, and uh, not us individually necessarily, but, but to the shame of, of Baptists throughout history, there are a lot of people who think that they're okay with the Lord because they've prayed a prayer, they've walked up front in a service and prayed a prayer or gotten baptized and they're out living like the world. Well, that doesn't mean that they're saved and they can just do whatever they want to and sin doesn't matter, right? 
That's not what we're talking about when we talk about eternal security. We're saying if somebody is truly converted, if someone is truly changed, if that, if that chemical reaction has truly happened within their life, they're now a new creature. The Bible says the old has passed away and behold, the new has come, right? There's a new creature there now. And that creature can't go back to being the old. The, the, those who are alive in Christ can't go back to being dead in sins. Okay? We'll talk more about that next week. But I did want to just make that, that clarification of what are we talking about? It's not that sin doesn't matter, and it's not that it's just kind of a formality. You say these words, say this prayer, and, and you're good to go no matter what. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an actual transformation change in, in the person that leads to a change in, in the life. Okay? Uh, but let's go back to those who, who don't believe this. Back to those who, who think that you can lose your salvation. Why do they think that, and what are the arguments for that? And, and maybe some of you think that tonight. I'm, 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 I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe, maybe some of you do, and that's okay uh, for now. Uh, <laughs> but, so so why, do, why do people believe that, that you can lose your salvation? Well, there, there are several arguments. I've, I've, I've written down five here. And so the first one is just the idea of free will. And we don't want to get into a big discussion about, about free will tonight. We may talk about it some more next week, about what that specific understanding, but, but not just a, an idea that, that people have free will, but a specific understanding of what free will is and what free will means. And so they'll look at some passages in the Bible and they'll say uh, that we have, free, we have free will. And if we have free will to start believing, then that means that we also have free will to stop believing if we want to. Uh, and if we, if we don't have that freedom to stop believing, then, then, then somehow God is, is unfair or unjust or unrighteous, okay? Uh, they, they look at things in the Bible like, like commands. There are commandments in the Bible, right? Not just the Ten Commandments, but in the New Testament even. There, there, there are places in Paul's letters where he commands the churches to do certain things. There are places in the Gospels where Jesus gives commands to his people. And so they say... God wouldn't, wouldn't give someone a command and then hold them accountable or hold them responsible for the decision that that person makes, whether they're going to obey that command or not, if they weren't free to make that decision. That's not fair. That's not right. If God says, go do this, but you're not free to do that, and then he judges you for not doing it, that's not fair. This is, this is their argument, right? The Bible says we have free will, and so if we have free will to start believing, then that means that, that we must have free will to stop believing. And so they look at passages like John 10. That's on your sheet there if you have it. They look at passages even like John 10. On first reading, John 10 would seem like Jesus is teaching that you can't lose your salvation. Okay? But listen, listen to what it says and then, and then what they say about it. Uh, verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So it's this picture of Jesus holding on to his people, right? And then the Father holding on to Jesus holding on to his people. And he's saying, no one can snatch them out of my hand. And, and so people, some people who believe that you can lose your salvation will look at that passage and say, yeah, that's exactly right. God is protecting Jesus' people. Jesus is holding fast to his people. They're not going to let go. If, if you're believing in Jesus, no one can take you out of his hand, but you still have the freedom to jump out of his hand or to leave that relationship if, 
if you want to. This passage, they say, this passage doesn't say anything at all about what we can do. It just says that God's not going to let someone else take us out of his hand. God's not going to let someone else harm us if we're his children. But we still have the freedom to, uh, to decide what we want to do. Okay? That may be, I think, the weakest of their arguments is why, uh, why I gave it first. But the second argument they make sometimes is uh, the Bible actually warns people not to fall away. So if it's impossible to stop being a Christian, if it's, impossible to, to not, if it's impossible to lose your salvation, it's impossible to fall away from Christ, then why would God in his word warn people not to fall away? So let's think about some passages together. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. And remember, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, right? He's writing to believers here. And so he says... Uh, he's talking about some, uh, some Old Testament examples he's been giving from, from the Old Testament. He says, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, verse 12, therefore, let anyone thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. Right? He's giving examples of how people in the Old Testament uh, were unfaithful to God. Uh, in Old Testament Israel, how some of the people in Old Testament Israel were unfaithful to God. Some of those stories that, that, that we know that you're probably thinking of right now. And he says those stories were written down. One of the reasons they're written down is for your instruction. And he said you shouldn't be prideful. Don't think that just because you're following the Lord now that you can't fall away just like they did. He says be careful. He warns them. Be careful. Make sure that you don't fall away the way that, the way that they did. In Hebrews chapter 2, he says, therefore, we must, verse 1, he says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. He's talking here about the, about the truth of the word of God, the, the gospel. He says, we should be, we should be careful, uh, we should pay, pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We should hold fast to the gospel. And, and, and people reading this and people in these other, other positions, like we've said, will look at that passage and say, see, he's warning them not to drift away. He's saying, be careful. Hold fast to the gospel. T pay attention to what you're listening to and what you're hearing and what you're believing so that you don't drift away. Well, why would he be warning? Why would he be giving them that warning if it wasn't possible for them to drift away? Another place is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, Hebrews chapter 3. Verses 12 and 14, I quote this, this passage all the time. Anytime I can find an excuse to, just about it, it seems like. Uh, in verse 12, he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That seems like a pretty strong passage in, in, in the favor of the argument they're making, right? A couple of things here. One, he addresses them as brothers. He says, take care, brothers. So it seems like he's talking to believers, right? He calls them brothers. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. And then it says, leading you to fall away. Well, why would he be warning them to be careful that they don't get led to fall away if it's impossible to get led to fall away. And then he says at the end of that passage, uh, he says, uh, be careful that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And then verse 14, he says, for we have come to share in Christ. How do we know that we've come to share in Christ? 
because we've prayed a prayer, because we've been baptized, because uh, we understand the Bible and we believe it. It's not what he says. He says, we have come to share in Christ if there, right? If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. There's an if there, right? Which means it, maybe it's possible not to hold your, firm, your confidence firm to the, to the end, okay? We'll talk more about that passage next week, but on the surface reading there, at least the way I've explained it to you, it, it seems to me like it favors their position, right? And then one more, Colossians chapter one, Verses 21 to 23 says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Right? So you were sinners before. Jesus has saved you. Jesus has died for you. He's now reconciled you um, in his body of flesh by his death. And his purpose is to present you holy and blameless uh, above reproach before him. And he says he'll do this, verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So Jesus' purpose is that, you, that he would present you blameless and holy and pure uh, before him. But, but how does that happen? Or, or, or when will that happen? Only if, uh, only if, uh, only if you continue in the faith. If you don't continue in the faith, then that won't happen. But if you do continue in the faith, then then that will happen. Okay. So there, so there's places in the Bible where God actually warns people against falling away, and so they would say, why, why are these passages in the Bible? If it's impossible to fall away, if it's impossible to lose your salvation, then why does God warn people to be careful that you don't lose your salvation? The, the next uh, argument is, is, is close to that. Uh, number three, God encourages believers to continue in the faith. So not only does he warn them against falling away, but he also encourages us to continue in the faith believing to continue in the faith. So just, just two passages here, uh, Hebrews chapter six, uh, verses 11 and 12. He says, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So here he's encouraging people. He's saying, don't be lazy. Right? Don't be, uh, don't be sluggish, but instead we want you to imitate those that have gone before you. We want you to imitate those that have lived their life faithfully to the very end with patience, and because of that, they've inherited the promises. We want you to inherit the promises the same way that they've inherited the promises. So don't be sluggish, don't be lazy, but follow through to the end the way, the way that they have. Uh, and then one other place, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. This is Paul talking about himself. He says, but I discipline my body, and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so it seems like Paul's saying that it, it would be possible even for he himself to lose his salvation. He is... He says he, he disciplines his body. He tries to keep it under control. And the reason is so that he won't fall away, so that he won't become disqualified. Uh, 
in the end. Okay, so we got this idea of free will, and, and if we have free will, then we must be able to turn away, have the freedom to turn away. Uh, we got this place in the Bible where God warns people against falling away, says be careful that you don't fall away. And then we've got other places in the Bible where God encourages believers to continue in the faith, right, where he says work hard, don't be sluggish, don't be lazy, but keep believing, keep pressing on. Uh, and then number four, uh, there are places in the Bible it's impossible where we see examples of people who have fallen away, right? How can somebody say it's impossible to fall away if the Bible says, hey, here's some people that have fallen away. Be careful. Watch out for them, right? So let's think about a few of them. Uh, there's some from the Old Testament that come to mind. King Saul, right? Um, uh, even um, Judas comes to mind, whether he was really a, a true disciple or not a true disciple. Some people like that come to mind, but those are a little bit more difficult to think through because, of, uh, because they were before Jesus died, and so what does that mean, and, and all those kind of things. But there's some places in the New Testament that talk about this as well. So, so the first place is in Acts chapter uh, 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I didn't put this on the sheet just because it's so long. Acts chapter 5. This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Many of you will probably, probably know this story already. But Ananias and Sapphira. And so there was a man named Ananias, and he had a wife named Sapphira, and together they sold a piece of property. And they kept back some of the money for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and then they brought part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet to donate to the church. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your own control? Why is it that, you've been, uh, that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up and they carried him out and buried him. And about three hours passed, and then his wife came in. And his wife didn't know what had happened. And so Peter responded to her, and Peter said, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Peter said to her, Why is it that you've agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? And immediately of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they're going to carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard about these things. Okay? So Ananias and Sapphira, this, this man and woman in the, in the early church in Acts chapter 5, they had some property. They sold their property. They came to the church and said, hey, this is what we sold the property for, and we want to donate all of it to the church. But that wasn't true. They had kept some money to the side for themselves, right? And, and Peter comes to him and says, this is, this is wicked. Why did you do this? He doesn't say it was wrong or bad or wicked for them to keep some money to the side for themselves, right? That's not the problem. The problem is they lied about it. And he says the problem is that they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit about it, right? And, and, and both of them did. The husband and the wife did separately. And so the Lord struck them down. They, they both died right then. Um, this is not, in my mind, this is not such a strong case because it never says in this passage that they were believers, right? They're, it seems like they're, I mean, they are part of the church 
And it talks about the church there. At the end, especially, it says that there was fear, great fear among everyone in the church because this had happened. Um, but we might get around this one by saying, well, they were part of the church, but they weren't really believers. And so, uh, and so this one may not be a stronger case, but this is one that people point to and say, see, here are people that were part of the church. They were following the Lord um, and, and, and they lost that. They fell under God's judgment, even immediate judgment where God put them to death. But there's a couple other places that are a little bit more clear, I think. And one of them is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse, uh, verses 18 through 20. Listen to this one. Paul says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, whom I have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And so here are two people mentioned specifically, two people mentioned by name, Hymenaeus and Alexander. And Paul says, not only that they have turned away from the Lord, but he says they have made shipwreck of their faith. And so it seems like Paul's saying they had faith, right? They had real faith. They really were trusting the Lord. They really were believing in the Lord. They had real faith, but then they turned away from that. And they've made shipwreck of that faith now. And Paul says he's handed them over to Satan. And then the last passage that we're going to read is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. A, a very similar passage, but, but Paul mentions a different person here. He says, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. And Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Now, this is another passage where it doesn't necessarily say that Demas was a believer, right? However, if he's in the same list as, as Titus, we, I don't know much about Crescens. Maybe he's mentioned more in the Bible, too, but I'm, I'm not aware much of him. But we know about Titus. I just preached a sermon this morning about Titus from Titus, the book called Titus that Paul wrote to him, right? We know that, Titus le that Paul left Titus in Corinth, and we know that... Paul left Titus in, in Ephesus and trusted him. And if he mentions this other guy, Demas, in the same line as him, Demas has deserted Paul. So it seems like Demas was one of Paul's companions, somebody that traveled with Paul, somebody that went on mission trips with Paul, somebody that, that preached with Paul the same way that Titus did and Crescens and others. Then it seems like Paul at least had made the judgment that he was convinced that Demas was a believer because he was allowing him to be part of his group like that. But now it says he's, he's deserted Paul. And the reason he deserted Paul is because he's fallen in love with this present world. And so that seems like who was believing in, in, in the Lord, following the Lord, even doing ministry in the name of the Lord, and now has fallen back into love with, with the world. So we see examples of people who did, in fact, fall away in, in the Bible. Uh, and then the fifth reason that, that people think that you can fall away and lose your salvation is, uh, is just kind of their own experience and, and your own experience. We, we know people, certainly you know people, we all know people who have seemingly fallen away, who've seemingly lost their salvation. We all can think of people right now that at one point in their life seem to be very committed to the Lord, very committed to his church, serving, uh, following the Lord, uh, working in, in, in the church in different ways, uh, and and now aren't like that, 
whole lives have changed. And, and now we can see a lot of that even maybe more clear, clearly than we could before because of Facebook and stuff like that, right? You can get on Facebook and see stuff that people are saying or pictures that people are posting of, 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 of the way that they're living that's completely different than the way they were living just a, just a few years ago. And we know people like that and, and other people do too. And so they say, well, I know you're trying to convince me that the Bible uh, says that you can't lose your salvation, right? I know you're trying to, trying to do that. There's some passages here in the Bible that, that, that seem to say that you can. There's some examples in the Bible that seem to be of people who already have. You're trying to convince me that's not really what the Bible says, that, that you really can't lose your salvation, but who am I gonna believe, right? Some slick Bible teacher that's trying to convince me of something or my own eyes that I'm looking and, and seeing and knowing people that I love and people that I've been close to that are no longer seem to be following the Lord. Okay, so, so, so five arguments, five reasons that, that people think you can lose your salvation because of the idea of free will. If we're free to choose Christ, then we are also free to not choose Christ. We're free to, to, uh, to leave, leave Christ, I should say. Um, in the Bible where God actually warns people against falling away. He says, be careful lest you fall away. Uh, there are places in the Bible where God encourages believers to continue working hard, right? Don't be sluggish, don't be lazy, but keep pressing on, keep following so that you don't fall away, so that you'll make it to the end. Uh, there are places in the Bible where we see examples of people who seem to have actually fallen away from, from faith in Christ and then uh, people's own, own experiences. Okay. Uh, all right, so that's, that's people who think that you can lose your salvation, and, and that's why. Uh, I don't want you, our, our position, our church's position is still that you can't lose your salvation. Hopefully I haven't convinced you that that's wrong uh, by going through those, those kind of arguments, right? But I, but I want to try to present those in, in, the, in, in the strongest way possible, the best way possible. Um, and then next week we'll look at some of those same passages and think through some of that again. Uh, and, and look at what the Bible says and, and why we think that you can't lose your salvation. Uh, but we do have a few minutes left, and, and again, we're going to have time on the 27th, the last Sunday in August, to ask questions. If you have questions about this topic, uh, feel free to come that night and, and ask your question in front of everyone. Uh, but we also know that, that not everyone's comfortable talking out loud in front of people like that, asking questions. So if you have a question, you can also feel free to come that night, uh, but also ask one of us, one of your pastors in private before that night or send an email or call the church office or, or something like that before and we'll be happy to talk about those things. But we do have about 10 minutes left for tonight. Um, any, any questions or thoughts about uh, what we talked about tonight? Ms. Betty? <laughs> good, good question, Miss Betty. Good question. Yeah. Uh, so, if you didn't hear Miss Betty's question, was we went through a whole list of like different Baptists that think that you can lose your salvation. So, are, are Baptists the only ones, and even not all Baptists, but just some Baptists, the only ones who think that you cannot lose your salvation? Uh, no, not at all. There, there are are s several groups, lots of groups that, that think you that, that that you can't lose your salvation. That God is faithful and. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll finish the work that he started in people's lives, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, but the main groups that believe that 
are, are Baptists and Presbyterians um, and some other like evangelical churches that are, that are not necessarily a, a denomination like that, but mostly Baptists and Presbyterians. And, 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 and you know, we, we don't have time in, in three weeks, we're, we're gonna try to talk about this one specific thing as, as in depth as we can, but this is, this is true for lots of, for really everything that, that we believe the Bible teaches. Not any one doctrine really can be separated by itself. Everything is connected with other, other things that we believe, right? Um, and so it tends to be that people who believe, people who are more kind of Arminian in their understanding of salvation um, tend to believe that, that you can lose your salvation. People who tend to be more uh, Calvinistic in their understanding of salvation tend to, to believe that you can't lose your salvation. And not just individuals, where, where individuals come down on that, but where um, groups and denominations come down on that. So historically, churches like the Methodist Church or the Nazarene Church have come out of uh, kind of an Arminian history where their churches come from. Churches like, like Presbyterian churches for sure, and like many Baptist churches have come out of a more Calvinistic stream of understanding of salvation um, historically. Uh, so no, we're not the only group. There are other groups, mainly Baptists and Presbyterians, though. Yeah. Any other questions, Kane? <laughs> uh, nope, I don't want to. <laughs> but no, I will. He said, uh, he said, so talking about Baptists, how people disparage Baptists about saying that once saved, always saved means it doesn't matter how you live. Uh, doesn't that come out of like dispensationalism and antinomianism? And do you want to talk about that for a few minutes? <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I don't want to talk about that in a lot of detail because most people don't know what we're talking about. Um, including me, but, uh, but, but I will say that that's something seriously that we need to think about and we need to, uh, to, to understand as we're, as we're talking about this, this, this doctrine of, of, um, eternal security. It does, this does not mean at all. And we're going to talk some in the third week, especially about what do we do with people who, have, who seem to have fallen away. It doesn't at all mean that if you pray the prayer or if you get baptized, then it doesn't matter how you live. You can just do whatever with the rest of your life. And, and when you die, uh, you know, at your funeral, the preacher can say, well, I know he was a horrible guy. They're not going to say that, but uh, everyone in the congregation is thinking that, right? I know he was a terrible guy his whole life, but we remember when he was, you know, 11 years old and he got baptized at the church and came forward and prayed a prayer. And so we're, you know, convinced and we're sure that he's in heaven right now because the way he lived after that doesn't matter. No, it, sin does matter. It does matter the way that we live. And, and the third week, what we're gonna talk about really is, so these people we talked about today say you can lose your salvation, here's why. I'm gonna say next week that we can't lose our salvation and, and here's why and here's how we understand some of these passages they're saying. But then on the third week, well then what do we do with some really hard passages in the Bible that, that seem to be warning against falling away? And what do we, what do, we do with people in our own lives that we know of that seems like they've fallen away. What, how do we think about that? What do we, what do, we do with that? How do we explain that? Um, pray a prayer. Yeah, but it's important that we don't, we don't say, 
and we don't think as long as you pray a prayer then it doesn't matter how you live the rest of your life it does matter how you live the rest of your life right it does i mean that that one passage that that we read it really does say um it really does say colossians 1 and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith. If indeed you continue in the faith. It, it really says that, and it really means that. And so we have to deal with what does that mean, right? And, uh, yeah. And, and so just kind of a preview for next week, I guess. One of the things that... One of the issues that we're going to have to talk about some next week is not just can you lose your salvation, can you not lose your salvation, um, can you walk away from your faith or can you not walk away from your faith, but why can you not walk away from your faith? How, how, does, that, how does that work and why is it that way? And sometimes we talk about, and both of these things are true, but sometimes we talk about this idea of the, the perseverance of the faith, which is absolutely true. The Bible calls us to persevere, right? Calls us to continue, to press on to the very end. And that's absolutely right. This, is, this doctrine is the perseverance of the saints. We have to persevere to the very end. But this doctrine could also be called the preservation of the saints. It's the perseverance of the saints. We do have to persevere to the very end. But we're also talking about the preservation of the saints, that the Lord preserves those who are his own. And the reason that people don't fall away is because the Lord keeps his, the Lord keeps those that are his own and, and keeps us from falling away. Other thoughts? We've got just a couple minutes left. Josh? Yeah, I didn't mean I didn't mean to imply at all that uh, that Ananias and, and Sapphira were not believers. What I was trying to say is that 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 passage is not as strong an argument for it's not as strong evidence for this argument because they're never called believers. So someone could say, well, they never were. This is a way to kind of get around that argument. Uh, but I, but it seems like they were. I mean, I think from every indication, it seems like they were. They were part of the church. Of course, we know people that are part of the church. Um, we know that just because you're part of the church doesn't mean you're a believer. But, but yeah, I think, I think absolutely. Our, our sin has, uh, often has consequences in the now, in, in the temporal consequences, right? I think of a passage, I can't think of it offhand, but there's a passage uh, in the New Testament that talks about some... I don't want to say it wrong, but, but some making it to heaven, but smelling of smoke. Isn't there a passage that says something like that? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's something good for us to talk about in February. Yeah. If you're, if you're new here or haven't been here in the last few years, we, we do series like this in August called Answers in August. It's more of like a doctrinal thing like this. And then we uh, do the same thing in February called Focus in February for the four Sundays in February. But it's more of like a um, practical, practical kind of topic. August is more doctrinal. February is usually more, more kind of practical. All right. Any, uh, any final, final questions, final thoughts? It's 7 o'clock, but I want to give everybody an opportunity. All right. We're glad y'all are all here tonight. Next week, we'll talk about uh, why we think that you cannot lose your salvation. And I'm looking forward to that. Let me, let me pray real fast, and we'll be done for tonight. Father God, thank you so much for a good Sunday night. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you have, have uh, spoken to us, given, given your word to us. And God, we, we pray that you'd help us to be uh, diligent and to work hard to understand what your word says and to apply it to our lives. God, we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us with that. And God, we thank you that you've given us your church to help us understand your word uh, together. And God, I pray we will leave here tonight um, looking forward to... to kind of what we previewed for, for next week, that, that we're safe in the, in the hands of our Savior Jesus. But also, God, I pray that some of the passages we've looked at tonight would be, uh, we, we would take seriously. And it would be motivation for us to, yes, your word says, I believe your word says that people will not fall away, but your word also says that we need to persevere. And we need to fight sin in our own lives. And we need to help those around us fight sin in their lives, especially in our, in our congregation and in our church. God, I pray you give us uh, your Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. Uh, and God, that, that, that we would do that. God, we thank you so much for Jesus and pray all this in his name. Amen.